Welcome to the Dirt on Turf podcast. I'm your host, Chris Toppings. Today we have an amazing guest, but first, let's hear it from our sponsor. Netting professionals are improving programs one facility at a time. Netting professionals specialize in the design, fabrication, and installation of custom nettings for backstops, batting cages, dugouts, scoreboards, overhead netting, barrier netting, sideline netting, golf course netting, and much more. They also design and install digital graphic wall padding, windscreen, turf, turf protectors, dugout benches, dugout cubbies, and more. Netting Professionals continues to provide quality products and services to many recreational, high school, college, and professional fields, facilities, courses, and stadiums throughout the country. Netting Professionals are improving programs one facility at a time. Contact them today at 844-620-2707 or info at nettingpros.com. Visit them online at www.nettingpros.com or check out Netting Pros on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn for all their latest products and projects. This segment is brought to you by MVP Genetics. Mountain View Performance Genetics is an exciting new division of Mountain View Seeds that will focus on vegetative warm season cultivars. They are breaking barriers between grass seed and sod research, development, and direct licensing to sod producers on warm season cultivars for sports turf, golf, and landscape applications. Look for their current innovations like their newest elite Bermuda grass, Iron Cutter, as well as coming attractions like their golf and landscape zoysia, tentatively set for release in 2022. Contact them today to learn more. Contact Adam at 971-718-4525. Welcome to the Dirt on Turf podcast. I'm your host, Chris Toppings. Today we have Bruce Bruce Suddeth from USC Upstate, University of South Carolina Upstate. Welcome, Bruce. Thank you. Appreciate it, Chris. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. Uh, it's been a long time coming. Uh, I've known you for a long time. Uh, it's uh, exciting to finally get you on here. I know you're a busy man. You got a lot going on. So it's nice to finally have you up here. Um, I appreciate it. Yeah, man. Uh, let's do a little introduction of yourself. Tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and your turf career history and what got you here. All right, uh, Chris. Well, currently I'm the director of landscape and, and building services here at USC Upstate in Spartanburg, South Carolina, and we're a branch university of the uh, USC Columbia. I've been here soon to be 20 years at the end of the year, so I've uh, I've been here a little while. Uh, prior to coming here. I worked for a chemical company uh, and I lacked two months being there 20 years. So if you add this up, I ain't no spring chicken no more. So uh, it's been a a long time, but yeah, uh, you know, I guess as far as career goes, 
I have done everything that is not normal, uh, depending on how, how you look at things. Uh, number one, most people are sports field managers or grounds managers, and then they go into some kind of uh, sales job or working with a company somewhere. So what I did was I worked for a company almost 20 years. The last five or six of that was in a, what they call the turf product line. And that was in research and development, uh, doing a lot of university studies at a lot of the turf schools. And, and we would visit those, do a lot of uh, studies at golf courses and athletic fields and record the information with the products that we had as using those as sales tools and as new developing new products. So in, in that capacity, when I worked for the chemical company, which was right across the interstate from the university here, uh, they were expanding the sports turf facilities here at school, had several grow-ins going on, um, you know, trying to trip, push the turf and, and make the fields uh, playable. And, and actually one of those was a soccer field here that was, uh, had to be ready by mid-August. And uh, superintendent of grounds, uh, Robert Eastler then, uh, he, you know, they called me up. Uh, some other folks wanted to know, you know, what kind of programs can we do? What kind of products can we use and things like that? So. I worked with him trying to push the field along as fast as they could. And that created an opportunity that the university was booming then, uh, trying to expand their athletic facilities, uh, the grounds, they were had a push for student enrollment. So the opportunity came up to be in this director position of grounds here. And that's kind of how I, how I landed here uh, they courted me a little bit, you know, to, to, to try to come over here and, and it worked out well. Um, you know, I enjoyed my time with the chemical company. And as I say, you know, in my almost 20 years there, it bought a few cars, a few trucks, a few motorcycles, bought a house. So, you know, those are things that, that were, uh, that worked out well at the time. Uh, Career-wise, uh, when I moved over here, uh, the first, I don't know, probably the first year I was trying to figure out what I got myself into because I thought I screwed up. Uh, it was it was a lot to grasp. And, and you know, you learn and adapt over time, which, which I have, and I enjoy it. Uh, it is not like coming to work because you never know what you're going to step into from one day to the next. It changes. Uh, there are some routine things, don't get me wrong, but you might walk into irrigation issues, people issues, uh, animal issues. You just never know what's going to happen on, uh, on the, the grounds here at USC Upstate. Yeah, so what was, um, I'm curious, uh, if you don't mind sharing, um, when you said you, when you started the Upstate, you said, what have I got myself into? What made you feel that way? Well, I came from a structured corporate 
environment that this is our way, this is how you do things. And that's just how it was, you know, you, you learn to, to adapt to that. When I came over here, there was a lot of political mm -hmm. pull people, even people that didn't even work at the university that <laughs> had, uh, donors or, or, you know, influence people that, uh, uh, they had a lot of say so and they weren't even there. <laughs> they had a lot of say so and weren't even here. And, you know, it, it came down to one point where, you know, I, my boss let me do what I wanted to do. He's like, okay, just, you know, just make sure we got approval and we got the funding to do this and do that. And in particular one year, getting in preparation for commencement here. We, we had a pretty nice landscape project going on, some rock and a lot of perennial flowers and things that bloom at, at a couple of our entrances. And everybody was on board. Everybody thought it looked fantastic. And one in particular person came in and said it looked like a golf course. And we really didn't need to look like that. And they wanted to make us rip it out. And it was like two weeks before commencement that uh, this happened. So I went to my boss and let me tell you something. I said, you guys hired me on to do a job here. I want to try to do it to the best of my ability. And if we have influencers that are, have this much power, I might need to go back across the interstate and I got a job if I want it. <laughs> but, you know, he, he calmed me down. Uh, I, I was okay. It was a learning experience though. I had never been involved with, uh, political type issues like that. So right. it was, uh, that was a huge learning curve for me. I, I've adapted though. I can do it now. Yeah. Um, that's, uh, interesting. What, what were they, did they think it looked too good? So it looked like a yeah. golf course. What's um, wrong with that? That's kind of what I thought. I mean, it, it was, it was a really nice entrance, uh, nice, nice look, uh, to what we were trying to do. And I guess they just didn't boils like down the, to, it wasn't their idea. It wasn't what they wanted. It wasn't their idea. It, it wasn't what they wanted. And you so, see that, uh, and you see that a lot, unfortunately, you know, it happens. I'm, I'm okay now. Oh yeah. Well, who got you into the turf? Like who was your mentor or role model in the industry and like what kind of sparked that i want to be in the turf well, industry my 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 i grew up on a a farm uh which was mainly vegetables and and peach trees and and my dad you know instilled a, a work ethic and you know got me in the fields doing a lot of different uh tasks uh, at a pretty young age i mean I would, I would probably get in trouble. Uh, it depends on who hears this, but I was probably driving a tractor at eight or nine years old, mm -hmm. you know, and because we didn't have a choice. It, he was, he was on the back end. I'm on the tractor, driving the tractor is the easiest thing to do, you know? Mm -hmm. So I was on one and, you know, that's probably unheard of in this day and time. So, so my dad, you know, uh, instilled that in me and, and it was, uh, that part of the ag side got me into it. And in high school, I, uh, I actually applied for a job at the local community cash grocery store. 
and was turned down because I had long hair then. So I drove up the street to our local golf course and was hired on the spot. So I would, I would say that uh, Tommy Bird was my mentor at the time. He hired me on the spot. I worked up there for two summers and well, actually two years. And he showed me a lot of things. I learned a lot of things in, in turf and that was in high school. You know, I was, I was learning stuff then. And, uh, you know, for a, a, a fair skinned blonde headed kid out working on the, on the grounds, you know, I got blistered when I first went to work there. So I had to adapt, uh, to do that. But Tommy, Tommy showed me a lot. He, uh, he was, he was pretty sharp on that. Yeah. That's, uh, <clears throat> what's interesting that, uh, they didn't, uh, hire you at the, at the grocery store there. They did me a favor. They sure I, did. You know, when one door closes, another one opens. So, right. uh, you know, at the time I was kind of, I was kind of down out cause all my buddies was, was working there, you know, and, uh, that was kind of the thing to do, but, uh, it, mm -hmm. it worked out. I, I, uh, I'm, I'm actually thankful that it did work out that way. Yeah. Uh, it, it's kind of, kind of cool. I, you know, I tell everybody this uh, sometimes, and this is kind of one of those stories that sometimes you got to be careful what you say. It might get you in trouble. But uh, it was my senior year in school, and we had come to the, the time in the spring to do airification on the bent grass greens. And uh, they needed some help, uh, you know, that don't happen on Saturdays and Sundays. It happens through the week. So Tommy asked me if I could help out a little bit. So I kind of skipped school a couple of days mm -hmm. to, uh, to help with the airification process to, to help collect cores and do whatever we had to do. So at lunchtime, I walk into the clubhouse to go get me a drink and kind of cool off a little bit. And there sits our high school principal on his lunch break at, uh, in the clubhouse. And, uh, Mr. Miller kind of says, how you doing today? I said, I'm pretty hot, Mr. Miller, but I'm doing all right. He said, I noticed you hadn't been to school. I said, yes, sir. I haven't been to school. I said, uh, I'm helping Tommy out through the airification process here. He said, I understand. He said, just don't make it a habit. I said, Mr. Miller, don't worry about it. I said, I ain't real crazy about being here. I'd rather be at school, but this got to be done. He said, I understand. So <laughs> nothing was ever said, nothing ever happened, but he knew that I was not at school. <laughs> yeah. I know you about died when you walked in there. Saw that. Yeah. I, uh, I could, have I could have fell in my shoes, man. I, I was in trouble. I didn't think nothing about it, you know, but mm -hmm. well, give the listeners a little, Give us a breakdown of your current position. Like, you know, what's your job right now entails? Like with employees that you manage and sports and different events. I mean, we know that you're the director, you know, but kind of give us just a little bit more in depth of, you know, kind of what's going on. Okay. Well, what I do uh, day in and day out and, and it's kind of, picked up the pace here lately with, uh, with some of the tasks that we have going on. Uh, 
we've got uh, eight, now nine full-time staff members on our main campus crew. We have five on our sports turf uh, crew. We have a supervisor for, for each area. And we have a couple of temporaries working for, for main campus and for sports turf. As well as I'm over the housekeeping custodial staff for the whole campus, which is about 24 people, uh, along with two other supervisors for that. So that is just the personnel side of it. So, you know, you have to, to keep up with, uh, with the goings on as far as personnel and, and the more you have, the more fun you have with that. Uh, so, uh, but day in and day out, you know, it's dealing with that as well as, um, you know, contractors that we may have come in. Uh, we, we primarily do most everything in house unless it's a large project work. Uh, we don't get in bucket trucks to do tree work and trimming and doing arbor work on the trees. If we can't do it from the ground, we typically don't do it. That's one of the things we contract. The other is, is large projects. We just got through uh, uh, stripping uh, using combinator on uh, one of our soccer fields. We're trying to renovate one every year uh, to get the, the thatch and organic layer out of it and kind of start over. So we're in the process of doing that now. Uh, we do most all irrigation uh, install and work, unless it's a brand new that, uh, you know, is beyond our means or beyond the cost and time labor. Uh, so we do, we do all irrigation in-house as well. Uh, so it's, uh, it's managing the turf and ornamentals of landscape, whether it be on in main campus in the core of campus or in what we call the Peace Park, uh, which has a, about a, a one and a half acre pond in it, or the Arboretum or our housing area. Uh, that's mainly the, the main campus. Uh, sports turf is about 20 acres of athletic fields plus the common grounds that go around uh, the athletic complexes and our golf practice facility which is a couple of acres there. So, you know, uh, it's, it's managing all of those from irrigation to fertilization to, to making it grow to making sure that the weeds don't outgrow the grass. Yeah, well, uh, one of your employees, he's, he get, he's gone crazy with his drone. He takes some really awesome pictures. I will he say does. that. He posts them a lot, so that they're really awesome. Travis, Travis is one of our senior guys on the sports turf crew and has done an outstanding job uh, and, and is really committed to what he does. He's, he's a true artist when it comes to, to working on softball and baseball, and he's gotten this drone for Christmas, man, and has just gone crazy with it. Man, if, and, any, if anybody that listens to this podcast doesn't know the man we're talking about, his name is Travis Dill, and he'll hear this because uh, he is one of our listeners. But he uh, he's an entertaining fellow. If anybody gets a chance to be around him, you'll have a good time, I can tell you that. <laughs> Travis is entertaining. He, just, just get him started on wrestling, and you'll go from there. All you got to do is talk about wrestling. 
but yeah. uh yeah he's uh he he is uh, a true gem uh travis travis really cares about what he does and and on the fields and uh, the coaches absolutely love working with him and and doing what he does but uh yeah he's he has taken some fantastic drone shots uh yeah it just shows fact, it really shows the facility you know and how how pretty the whole facility really is it it, it does uh I really love looking at those pictures and, and Travis has really been instrumental in helping us out. You know, the, the chemical company that I, I told you I work for, actually it's Millican Chemical who, who I work for then. Um, I still have relationships with those people. Right. They still have a, a turf research uh, and product line and they come over from time to time to do phyto tests or uh make sure that products uh, perform as they want to. And, and we use some of our uh, turf grass, uh, golf, whether it be golf, soccer, baseball, some of our turf areas to do some of those studies. And, you know, they come over and, and, and do those studies. And, and Travis just hadn't been two weeks ago, did some drone shots of, of a picture, a layout uh, we did a grid of different applications and he did a drone shot for them. We emailed it to them and they have used that, you know, as part of their tool in, in research. Um, I, I probably should have, should have backed up a little bit. I'm, I'm a little bit of a uh, science and chemistry geek in a uh -huh. way. Right. I know I don't sound like it and I know I don't look like it, <laughs> but uh it was, it was one of those things that I, I kind of picked up on in high school that I really enjoyed and it went over into college and then it went over into um, the chemical business. I worked for, you know, several PhDs that, that developed synthetic chemicals and we did reactions, you know, it looks like this crazy laboratory with stuff going on. And I really enjoyed that. And I learned a lot from some of those guys of, of how to, to do uh, chemical equations and balance equations and how to, how to add different products to make uh, stuff like spray pattern indicators or, or different colored products. And, you know, I know it's kind of weird uh, to put that kind of science together with turf grass too but uh, it does spill over from one to the other because it brings out your analytical abilities to, uh, you know, to look at turf grass in a different way. And, and those guys come over here and, and they enjoy uh, doing it here because we can set those things up because I can relate to them and where they're coming from, you know, doing those trials. Right. Yeah. It's uh it's been beneficial, obviously, then to still kept that positive relationship with those guys, even, you know, after being there for almost 20 years and you leaving and taking the job where you are now, it's been beneficial because it kind of works out for you and for them as well. They have a place to a nice, you know, highly, you know, good, a place with, you know, and with good aesthetics, you know, a place that they can really see what the difference is except for in the homeowner's yard you know they can really see some highly manicured turf on really what this product is going to do because they know that y'all are professional turf managers and that you're going to do every single step on what they plan on telling the people when they go to buy this this is what's done you know that 
So that's been very beneficial. I'm sure. That's true. Uh, you know, right now they're working on cutting edge technologies for wedding agents for turf. And, you know, there's, there's certain steps you go through with, with trying mm -hmm. to, to test those in the laboratory and then you move out into the field and then you go larger scale. So, you know, they're at the, the point now where they're moving out into the, the golf area uh, for trials and sports turf area for trials where we are right now and determining what actually works real life and what won't. <laughs> That's right. Um, well, moving on from that, um, what's new in your position? Like what are some new things compared to, let's say, 20 years ago, 10 years ago? What are some new things that you're seeing? What are some new products maybe that you'd like to tell the listeners? Well, I, I guess new is a lot of the digital computer uh, programs. Uh, you know, like I said, when we first started this conversation, I'm, I'm, I ain't a spring chicken, so I'm, I'm kind of old school when it comes to things. But there's a lot of new products out there now that are, are helping turf grass managers uh, apps, you know, for, for spraying, uh, apps for, for looking at turf grass, uh, you know, growing degree days, we used to look at calendars and stuff. And now you've got these programs that help calculate things for you. <laughs> uh, you know, and, and, and water management, you know, uh, we used to have these older controllers here. We're at about 15 irrigation controllers here across campus. And we used to be old school if somebody had to be at the clock to turn the clock on to test the zone while somebody else is out in the field. And now you pull these apps up on your phone uh, and turn your water on and, and you're looking at, you know, Crazy. you only got one person, you know, and I can stand there and run and, and check and make sure that everything's running properly when we used to have a couple of guys that took to do that. Uh, you know, things like that and, and, and moisture management with, with probes and sensors and, you know, uh, as long as the batteries are good in some of these sensors and stuff, you know, nothing drives me more crazy than to ride down through a residential neighborhood and it already rained two inches and the irrigation's running. That drives me up the wall. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, I'm sure a lot of other people, I'm sure they've ended up on a meme or somewhere. Pouring yes. down rain with irrigation on. I'm sure they've ended up on Facebook or something. Uh, I'm sure we we probably have too. Yeah, well, it's different days. when you got it's different when you got that same like we got that new drainage system that Nolan Thomas installed, and uh, I don't care if it rains three inches; it needs three more because it right. it, it drains right. it drains very very well, you know. So um, the irrigation doesn't stay off long, you know. I mean, this last couple of weeks we've had a crazy amount of rain. I mean, so we've been able to, we've only ran it like probably two or three times in two and a half weeks, you know, so that's good, but we know that it is. we don't get rain in the next about two or three days without rain. We're going to start, start getting everybody dialed in. You know? Right. Right. Uh, because it, it drains so well. I mean, it's just a, it's amazing to watch it work. Actually. That is, that's a great uh, drainage system there. It's awesome. Um, okay. So 
I do want to touch on one thing. Uh, we'll talk about it briefly. Um, there's a new BMP that's come out, uh, Best Management Practices, and I just want you to kind of touch on that. I know that uh, people can get them through different uh, – can get them through a couple of other people, but I think you're one of the people that they can get them through. Is that correct? Yes, people that's right. Yeah, so just do a brief explanation because nobody really knows about this unless they're really tied with with uh, North and South Carolina STMA people. Uh, it's kind of like in the Carolinas, a lot of us know about it. So if you'll touch on that just a little bit and explain, you know, and where they can get it and what what what's the benefit from yeah. it for the for the listeners. I'll be glad to. Uh, Chris, the, the best management practices uh, – kind of developed between the North and South Carolina Sports Turf Manager Association chapters. Um, up North, uh, particularly the Mid-Atlantic chapter, uh, you know, those guys are under some pretty pretty hard scrutiny up there uh, with regulations, government uh, do's and don'ts uh, that we have not succumbed to yet. But there's a possibility one day that it, it's coming down the East Coast. Uh, so we had the foresight to, to look at that and uh, the chapters decided to uh, move forward with uh, using uh, Dr. Burt McCarty at Clemson and Dr. Grady Miller at NC State. They are two of our uh, most notable advisors that have a, a vested interest in what we do as sports turf managers. So uh, Bert, as I call him, Dr. McCarty, uh, took it upon himself to, to start out with uh, creating the BMP and kind of pattern it off the Carolina's Golf Course Superintendents Association BMP. They've, they've had one out for several years now. And it has been a, a very good tool for them, uh, both for the sports field managers and for lobbying various uh, uh, things that the golf course superintendents uh, do, uh, whether it be chemicals or fertilizer or practices that they, they do on the courses. So that was kind of where it was patterned from. Uh, it was... Uh, Reviewed, uh, went through several uh, additions, iterations, trying to get the right information in there. And, you know, as you know, you try to cover all that you can, but we were also trying to make the manual affordable uh, for the people that really need it. And, you know, this is, the manual has a lot of information in it. Some of it may be trivial for more seasoned or educated sports field managers or for those that's been in this industry and seen that and done that. Uh, but it's also a great tool for some of the newer guys coming in or some of the people that may not have been subjected to, to education in that area. And that's what the manual was for. This is not a manual to tell everybody everything to do. This is a manual to give you basics and to make you hungry to find out more information and learn information from other areas. Uh, you know, nobody can know everything, 
but you sure can use a phone these days because I can guarantee you that somebody, if you have an issue or a problem, somebody else has already been there and done that. Yep. Uh, but, but this manual, uh, you know, has, has a, has some, a wealth of information in it, uh, you know, all the way from, from the various turf grasses to field design, to cultural practices, you know, even down to, to talking about, uh, safe use of pesticides. So, you know, we wanted to, to make this available for, for the sports field managers and it finally went to print and we were able to, to fund that print job for uh, our membership. So, you know, the first hurdle was to gather the information. Uh, Dr. McCarty and, and Dr. Miller did a fantastic job of putting that together and, and making that information in a manual and available. The, the next hurdle is to get it in the hands of people. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's, that's my challenge right now. And I'm looking at a stack of 25 in white envelopes that need to be mailed out right now. So you are talking to the person that's trying to to get those out. I've got several people that have been instrumental in helping me distribute those to people in their area. I just boxed them up and give it to them to, to hand out. Uh, we were giving them, giving them to our paid members as a, a free manual mm-hmm. uh, for members, for people that are not members. They're $29 a piece and we are have that price on there just to cover the cost of the print job. Um, folks, I, I have a copy of this and it is, uh, it is very informative. I mean, it's very, the information in it is, um, Mr. Suddeth here is being uh, humble, um, for sure as being, a one of the key parts of this thing and making sure it gets distributed and everything else he's being very humble. It's very, very detailed. And from my perspective. Uh, and I think it's a great piece of literature. And uh, hopefully, um, when this when this post, uh, y'all will be hearing this. Um, he'll be tagged in the Twitter handle, and you'll be able to message me or message him through direct message and get his contact if you want one. So, um, but yeah, I appreciate that. I wanted to talk about that because I really enjoyed the. I've really enjoyed you know looking at it. So. Yeah, I'm glad we were able to touch on that. And I, I, I've never met Mr. Burt, I don't think, or Dr. McCarty, uh, I should say. Uh, but Dr. Miller was one of my instructors in school. So I'm very familiar with Dr. Grady Miller. So um, I have been around him for a long time. He's actually uh, messaged me a lot. And I've asked his professional opinion on some of my podcasts. He, he's the one who suggested some of my new questions and, and he actually, this question that I'm getting ready to ask you is 100% one that he suggested for me. And I love it. It's like my favorite question. Let's take us a break and hear from our sponsor. This segment is brought to you by Turf Men. Turf Mend is a patch repair product developed by a former golf course superintendent 
designed for professional turf managers and homeowners alike to fill in those bare spots or worn areas of turf. Turfman helps you save time and money by using high quality professional ingredients so you will never end up with weed seed in your repairs. Turfman is now available in two different formulations. One with USGA specs saying peat moss and grass seed or the second formulation which has Omri listed compost, peat moss and grass seed. Turfman is proudly sourced sourced and blended in the USA. Repair the bear with Turfman and go to www.turfman.com for more information. That's www.turfmend.com and make sure the reference dirt on turf make sure to reference dirt on turf when you place your order to get 10% off repair the bear with Turfman. If you had a warning label like a chemical, what would yours be? Mm, good mm-hmm. question. Mm-hmm. Good question. I get a lot uh, of really good, honest answers to this question. It's great. Yeah, that's 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 kind of tough uh, on the spot. I, I guess uh, one of the things, and and my wife could probably relate to this a little bit is. Uh, be careful about poking the bear. It might bite. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't know. She, uh, she says, man, you have an easy temperament. You have an easy temperament till, uh, till you get poked enough. So anyway, I, that's all I know. I, I don't really know of any other warning labels. Yeah. I had a one guy say, or Tom Burns, Tom Burns is, his episode came out this week, and his uh, he said his was danger high voltage. <laughs> I said I understand that. Uh, I think we've all, I think all of us turp guys have a little danger high voltage at times. That's true. Um. So moving on from that, um, <clears throat> what are some current position challenges that you face right now? Um, I know COVID has been a challenge for everyone, but uh, what are some challenges outside of COVID that you or people at your facility or even people that you know in the industry in your part of the world that's really is an issue or you think is an issue? Well, you know, right now, I think probably one of the the largest issue is uh, finding manpower. Mm Mm-hmm. And, and personnel and, you know, when, when we interview and, and hire people into our team here, we pretty much tell them, if you work for the state, man, you're not going to get rich. Uh, but it is a fulfilling job. Uh, I think every one of my guys and gal that leaves here every day uh, understand that they have made a contribution and has uh, looked behind them and tell that they have success in, in what they do. And a lot of that comes from, from just, uh, you know, the will to want to do it, the, the training and, and having a good, a good team to do that. But it, it is a huge challenge. Uh, prior to this, I was, I was talking to someone else about our staffing here 
And to be honest, I've just hired three people in the last, say, three weeks. I've got them starting uh, one a week for the next three weeks. And two of them are on board. One of them came today. I've got one coming next week. And that has been a challenge. Uh, but the stars aligned for that to happen. Uh, people were looking for a new challenge in their career path. Uh, none of these are what I'm going to call young spring chickens either, but they're all people that have knowledge that want to come work for us here at USC Upstate uh, because we think we got a, a, a pretty good thing going. And it gives them some personal satisfaction in knowing that they can contribute uh, because they can. That's everybody has their own uh, own areas that they need to take care of, their responsibilities, and they know that uh, we want the parents and students to come here and stay. Uh, so it's it's kind of like uh, they have a vested interest in making their own loan here look good. Uh, so, but. I'm telling you, manpower is tough right now to, to find people uh, for, for what we're, we're trying to pay these guys uh, through the system. Yeah, it's, uh, it's difficult. And the state of North Carolina has now, the money was okay, but the benefits is why people came. And starting January 1st, you no longer get the health care when you retire. Yeah. So I was like, yeah. well, you know, what's their incentive for coming? You know, that everybody in my whole, whole little, you know, generation that came to the state is that's the reason why we came, you know, so thank goodness I'm, I'm vested. So I'm, I'm very pleased with that. Um, me too. I've, I've been here long enough to, to not have to worry about that now, knock on wood. So, uh, but yeah, that, you know, some of the perks that came along with being, Mm -hmm. being employed by the state uh i i have enjoyed my time here i've learned a lot uh, i've, I've uh, you know become uh i guess you'd say part of the uh, entity here and uh, you know people come to you asking questions because you've been around a while and and us old guys you know know where things are and and how to manipulate uh, maybe I shouldn't use the word manipulate. Uh, we use the, the term maneuver through the, the system. <laughs> yeah. I got a question for you. What's the best turf grass advice you've ever been given? Oh, best turf grass advice given was probably by T bird. When I was at the golf course was that, uh, Bermuda grass don't run sideways till after the 4th of July. And if daytime and nighttime don't add up to be a greater than 150 degrees, it ain't going to move. So hmm. that's probably, that's probably the best. That's, that's old school stuff there. Yeah, it is. That's a, that's a good one. I like that. Um, what are some of your passions outside your job? Uh, wow. Probably motorcycles, anything that's got a motor on it. It don't matter what it is. Uh, 
Um, I, I can understand that. I, uh, that was one of the things when I was in school, you know, I, I didn't really look down that turf grass path or know that that was where it was really going to go. I guess I got the bug and didn't realize it, but you know, I'm a gearhead I, myself. So. I, yeah. I, gearhead. I grew up on two wheels, uh, rode motorcycles all my life. I don't know what it would be like to not own one. And uh, that was what I thought I wanted to do when, when I got out of school, I took uh, retail merchandise and marketing, believe it or not, as a, as my, my primary study and was going to open me up a motorcycle shop with full dirt bike, everything there that I could think of. Well, nobody told me that I had to have the funding to do that. So I had to go, go to get a real job and work. So that just didn't work out. <laughs> but but I've been on I've been on motorcycles and stuff all my life I guess and believe it or not as a as an old guy I still got a dirt bike that's kind of mm -hmm. scary but you know I try not to fall hard. So is, is it an on off road bike? No, it's a it's a KDX uh, off road bike, enduro bike, mm -hmm. trail bike, woods bike. We call it a woods bike. Yeah. Uh, well, you got some cool places to ride right through there, like on 85, like off of I-85. Isn't there a couple of the Carolina Outdoor World or something like that? Yeah, there's one on down in the in lower part of the state, but we uh, we ride down uh, a place down below Clinton uh, in the forest down there off I-26. And, and I can't even remember the, the name of the place now. It, it just We just drive in. I don't even look at the sign when we go in anymore. <laughs> and uh it, it's got some pretty good trail systems in it it's it's open at certain times uh you know and directions change on it but it's it's a pretty good place to ride i, I used to ride long ago uh up on glassy mountain when it was herman honda hills but they turned it into a development and a golf course up there now called cliffs of glassy big fancy golf course but i remember riding dirt box on that hill and going all the way to the top and sitting on the rock watching the hang gliders. And that was when, when the hang gliders used to jump off glassy mountain rock. And we thought we were nuts for going up the mountain and they were really crazy for anybody to jump off the side of a mountain with a hang glider. And, you know, you just, you just got to not have everything screwed tight. Yeah. Does that place start with an E? An like E. E-N-O-R-E-E. -E. Innery, yes. Yeah. Yep. That's it. Yeah. That's it. Innery, Innery. In, in Clinton, South Carolina. Yep. That's it. Cool yep. place to ride. Mm -hmm. It looks like it. I just pulled it up and was looking at the pictures. Yeah. It looks pretty it. neat. It yep. kind of reminds me of if you're a huge Smoking the Bandit fan, which anybody that knows me, listens to this podcast, knows that I know every single word to the movie. Um, <laughs> It looks like when he goes, uh, you know, he takes that thing down there, that Trans Am down there in the stream, and everybody's trying to chase him. It kind of has that whole look right there. It's yeah. some of these pictures. It's, it looks really cool. So, um, so moving from there, we're going to talk about continuing education. Um, I've seen you at the Carolinas STMA conference in Myrtle Beach for years. Um, we all know how awesome of a time that is and 
how it just keeps getting better and better and better and better and just the material is always better and better and better um explain the importance of continuing education from your perspective and then uh what are some of the go-to apps that you use that you've tried you said that you're not an it guy but i know you have to have a couple on your phone that you probably have to use that you use for your go-to so you can touch on some of that stuff well I, uh, chris i guess for education uh you know i've been part of the we used to call it the, the north carolina south carolina stma uh sports conference down there and now it's the the southeast regional sports turf conference and trade show uh yeah I don't even know how many years now, 13, 14, something like that. Uh, you know, as, as, as being a, a part of that. And this past year, or the November uh, 2020, of not going to Myrtle Beach was just like, wanted to sit and cry, man. I mean, you know, it was, it was a big deal for us as, as the committee uh, that put that together, because all of us, I think, have the same passion for the education. Uh, we do it for free. We do it as volunteers because we think that it's important to the industry. Uh, I, I think continuing education and, and getting uh, sports turf managers in front of the right people, and, and it, it doesn't matter how old you are or how young you are. Uh, we all learn when we go to these events and that's why we have a passion for putting that conference on is we're wanting everyone to, to, to learn all and, and absorb everything they can because we've had some fantastic speakers at, at the conference and you know it, it doesn't stop at just the conference either you know our, our chapter meetings uh, we have some very good speakers. We, we have a lot of intelligent and, and I call them smart people in North and South Carolina that we all can learn from. And, you know, whether it, whether it be a seasoned uh, uh, athletic field manager or, or one of our educators from NC State or, or, or Clemson or Ori Georgetown or wherever it may be, you know, uh, we have a lot of assets in our state that we can get, gain information from. So that's kind of, kind of, kind of my deal with that is I want my guys to go to these events. I, I want, I want our staff and, and it, because I'm responsible for, for not only just the sports turf fields, uh, also the landscape here on campus. Uh, I want those people to go to education sessions and, and learn about new plants, new flowers, new whatever, or how to maintain the grounds. And it gives them a sense of ownership and education as well. So they're learning more to put in their brain uh, to, to have a vested interest in making everything look good. And, and that's what we want. Uh, you know, I, I, we've had people leave the university to go to a better job. And it's because they learned more, they had a better opportunity. And I don't, I don't want to hold anybody back. So 
we want to supply all the information that we can. And if it gains them uh, monetary value or a better position somewhere, then so be it. Uh, that's that's what we want. We, we want more education to all of our staff. Yeah, that's good for the industry. You know? it, it is good for the industry as a whole. And, and you know, uh, we all learn from each other. You know, we it's one of the, the industries that I think that is the most sharing uh, industry out there. If somebody comes to, to somebody, they're going to give them all the information they can. I don't think anybody holds back just because they've got an ego in our industry. Uh, you know, if, if, if I know it, you know it. If, if you ask me the question or, or if I can help in any way, and I think that goes across the board for every sports turf manager in North and South Carolina. I would agree. I would most definitely agree. Well, we're going to start. We're starting to wrap this up. We still got a few more questions left, but I have to know if you have a crazy turf story, something funny that is just hilarious. Oh, I don't know if it's a turf story. God, I didn't think about that. I'm sure there's plenty of them. Uh, I just, I just don't know, know where they're at. Um, uh, ben, Ben Williams, our, our sports turf supervisor here, give me a hard time one day. Uh, I was learning the ropes with a, a walk behind Greensmore when we first put in our, our little golf practice facility and stuff and just didn't have the knack. I, I lost it evidently from the time I was in high school to the time I, we, we built this facility here, but I, I kind of scalped the edges around the, the collar a little bit <laughs> when I was trying to make my turns and he gave me a bunch of crap about it. I told him it was like a bad haircut. It'd grow back. Yeah. Uh, and it did. Yeah, that's good. I like that. But uh, I don't know. You know, probably one of the, the big things stood out long ago in South Carolina. We, we had a – and it's not really a turf story. It's an event uh, that's fine. meeting story. We had one down in Columbia in August, July. Late July, August, something like that. You know how hot it is in Columbia, South Carolina, about that time of year. So we we had the bright idea that we were going to have a uh, uh, a little outdoor trade show, field vendor day. recognition, let everybody bring their goods, set up, and you know we uh, we had our little meeting, our, our presentations, our education session, and at lunchtime we broke out the food. You know everybody had had their their vendor stuff set up. Some had trailers with, with, you know, irrigation stuff set up. Holy crap. There's little, it was, it was beside this ravine in the woods and stuff there. I don't know whether it had a Creek or drainage area or whatever it went down through it. When the damn food come out, man, so did the bugs. They ate us up. I mean, <laughs> ate everybody up. And we, uh, we, we were like, mm, never again are we going to have a meeting in the heat this time of year outside next to a water source. So it was, it was, 
for the folks that were there, they know where I'm coming from. Cause man, we were absolutely miserable. We could not pack up and get out of there fast enough. <laughs> so it's amazing what little critters can can play havoc on on people. You ain't kidding, like them like those horse flies at the beach. Woo woo! And things can, draw blood, man. It ain't run you off, buddy. <laughs> I can tell you that. Um, what's one of your proudest accomplishments, personal and professional? Ooh, I think on a, a personal level uh, is being in the, the Boy Scouts of America and getting my Eagle Scout and my God and Country and my Order of the Air. Oh, wow. Uh, that was, that was a, a, huge, a huge accomplishment for me as a kid going through that process i learned a lot from it i learned a lot of perseverance in in doing that and following the rules and as an organization i couldn't find anything finer when i was a kid i uh i, I learned a lot and and i'm i'm very proud of those those awards that i have for that uh Probably in the later years, the George Toma Award in 2016 uh, doesn't get any better for, for me as a sports field manager and, and somebody that, uh, that works on ball fields. That, uh, that was uh, unexpected and one of them, oh crap, I can't believe this moments. You know, yep. and I, uh, I'm, I'm very proud of that. Yeah. That's awesome. That, that's awesome to get. Uh, I can't imagine what you felt. Uh, uh you, you, Greg Burgess with, uh, with the Greenville drive was he and his wife was sitting there beside, beside me and my wife. And, you know, they were reading my lips and, and I probably can't say it on your podcast, but, uh, <laughs> they were just, they were just dying laughing at me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's good. Um, so we're going to wrap this thing up with some non-turf questions. Well, well we're going to finish it up with a turf question, but your favorite quote or phrase? Oh. Oh, you're looking around in your office. I, you got it somewhere. I got it. I got it. It's hanging on the wall. All right, go ahead. The only place where success comes before work is in the dictionary. Ah, I like that. <laughs> Who said yeah, it? It is, it is hanging on the wall. Who said it? I don't know who said it. Uh, it, it was something that I picked up long ago uh, at, at one of the, the golf course uh, shows. They had these sayings and plaques and things and, and it doesn't have a doesn't have an author on it or anything but i'm sure that if you google it out there somebody probably claimed it or it, no telling how old that is but uh that that's never more a true statement that can ever be made yeah that's a good one you start looking around i knew exactly i, I said well he's got one hanging in his office <laughs> You know, some people, you know, have to really think about it. Like if I ask my boss this question, 
I know exactly what his answer would be because it's been on his desk since I started there 10 years ago. <laughs> What's that? Plan to fail, fail to plan. I mean, if, fail to plan, plan to fail. That's right. It's that always true. been there. It's always been there. <laughs> I'll never, I'll never forget it. Um, if you could pick one meal that you'd had to eat forever, what would it be? Ooh, I had to eat forever. God, man, you know, if you look at me, you know I like to eat, Chris. So, I'm the same. I'm the same way. Man. You know, that's 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 kind of tough, man, to narrow it down it to to one meal. But uh, or your I, favorite meal. My favorite meal. My favorite meal. My favorite. I really love pizza, man. I mean, I love a good pizza. But I'm, I'm, I'm probably gonna say that my favorite meal is uh, cube steak and gravy over rice. Yeah, ain't nothing wrong with that. Who's the preparer? I'm, I'm, I'm pretty country, man. I'm pretty who's, country. Who's the preparer? Well, it depends. I, 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 we make it two ways. My wife makes it the old school way in the pan and fry it up and, and making homemade gravy. I make it the easy way in the crock pot with cream of mushroom, cream of chicken, bunch of mushrooms in it and onion soup. Mm-hmm. That's how I do it. So she's she don't like it my way. I like it anyway. I like it both ways, but she's not yeah. too crazy on my way. Yeah, if you wake up in the morning and you've won the lottery, what's the first thing you do? What's your first non-essential purchase? Woo. First thing I do is help me and my family out to put us in the financial situation that we don't have to worry about it anymore. Mm -hmm. The non-essential purchase. God, man, there's a lot of those, you know, being a gearhead. I know uh, a big old shop. I already know. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you got it you got to have a building to put all the toys in first. So it, it would probably be to build a bigger shop to, to have the space to stand around in to figure out what move I was going to do next. That's right. Ain't nothing wrong with that. (laughs) Well, lastly here, what are some words of wisdom that you would like to share to young and upcoming turf professionals? Chris, I think one of them is to first have a passion for what you do. Mm-hmm. If you have that passion for what you do, you will learn from those that may be more experienced, uh, may know information that you can absorb from. And, and that's, that's kind of, kind of how I feel is, you know, you, you can teach a lot of this information to people. You can, it, it's, it's not something that's rocket science. You can learn this information. 
but you're not going to learn it if you don't have a passion for it and an understanding in the big picture of things to want to do it. You gotta, you gotta want to do it, kid. You gotta want to do it. And, mm -hmm. and there are rewards from that. Uh, they may not be today. They may not be tomorrow, but somewhere down the road, if you have a passion doors open all the time, if you're, if you have that look in your eye of a sports field manager and people know that that's what you want to do in your career, the doors are open in many ways. You'll learn from mentors. You will learn from people you work with and you will learn from educators to be a better sports field manager. Yep, you're exactly right. Well, if you don't have a passion for it, you know, I have to agree with you. you sometimes uh, you're going to get frustrated in maybe your pay in the beginning or, you know, being on the bottom of the pole. I mean, you're not going to graduate from school to my listeners that are still in school, uh, which I have a few of those as well. You're not going to start out as the man in charge, and that's what you need to understand too. So, I mean, you stick with it, and and people notice more when you think they're not looking. Uh, I had a podcast, uh, one of my first podcasts, and the man said, "You find out, you find out about a man's character on how he works when nobody's watching." That's and absolutely that, true, absolutely true. I said, man, and 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 don't get me wrong, not every day is all peaches and cream that's right. there are there are hard long days that you wonder why you're doing this but in the end you learn from those long hard days of of putting in the time of putting in the effort and when you lay down at night you you're going to sleep good because you know that you did your best and, and that's all that anybody can ask is, is you do your best uh, in, in what you do. And guaranteed, if you have a passion for it, you're going to do your best. That's right. You're absolutely right. Well, Bruce, it's been a pleasure having you. Um, this has been long, well, you know, this has been a long time coming. Um, I appreciate you coming on. and I know you have a busy schedule. Um, I appreciate you taking the time out to, to do this. Um, if there's anything else you want to add, feel free. Um, well, Chris, I appreciate it. And I, I appreciate the, the opportunity to, to be on the podcast. Uh, you, you know me, know me pretty well. So does your boss that I don't like to get in the limelight. I'm not, I'm not much of one to, <laughs> to get in front of the, the microphone or the camera or, or whatever it is that's got to be done. I'm one of those that, that likes to just turn the wheels in the background. And, you know, but if, if there's anything that I could ever do uh, for, for people in this industry or, or for any students or, or younger guys coming up to, to try to point in the right direction or, you know, my my 
key, I guess it is for me, is just be a part of the organizations and be a, a part of, of uh, the, the chapters, whether it's North or South Carolina, uh, sports turf managers, and be involved with that. You know, it, it's no different than, than going to church and being involved with it. Uh, that that's important to, to to have ownership in in uh, in the chapter and, and being part of or all of us as sports field managers uh, because then we all become one and we all learn from each other and and that's how we that's kind of how we roll as everybody work together. Yep, that's right. But I, I appreciate it, Chris. Uh, uh, thanks for thanks for having me on here, and I hope I'm I'm not too uh, too wordy, too country here. Oh you know, no, that was great, man. I, <laughs> I live in a, I grew up in a place called Chocowinity, North Carolina. It's got a population of about nine hundred. Um, I've moved to Washington, which is right across the river, but. Uh, still under business over there and still <laughs> spend some time over there. So, man, I, you're, you're right at home with me. So that's cool. It's, it's, well, I've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed it. Uh, yeah. And I hope to see you in Myrtle beach. Yeah. That's the plan. We're, we're gearing up for it. The, uh, the conference committee is, uh, having our meetings, getting our agendas together and starting to work on the details and, our plan is to be there in November. Man, that's going to be awesome. So It will. Well, it was good having you, and uh, take care of yourself. You too, buddy. We'll see you Thank soon. Thank you, Chris. Yeah, man. Well, that's it for today's episode. Again, I'm your host, Chris Toppings, with the Dirt on Turf podcast. And before we leave you, let me remind you about netting professionals. It doesn't matter what kind of netting you need, whether it's for a batting cage, a dugout, driving range, backstops, check out netting professionals. Go to their website, www.nettingpros.com or follow them on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, or LinkedIn. You don't want to miss out with these people. Give them a call, let them give you a price, They'll take care of you. Until next week, I'm Chris Toppings. We'll see you then.